Hi, this is Mike Levin, and this is Swampcast. It's May 21st, Sunday, and I'm talking with Dominic De Silva of SilvaSoft. Hey, Dom, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing fine. Well, I'm really happy to catch you. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Dom and I both live in the same city. We both live in Orlando, Florida, in the United States, and we've known each other a few years through the Orlando Java User Group. And Dom has recently released uh, a new product called JShell. Uh, so that's the basis for this conversation. But why don't we begin by having you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Dom? Okay, well, um, I've been doing software development for, I would say, the last 10 years. Uh, started off doing C++. Moved on to Java development, uh, Java web development. Um, that's what I do right now, full time. You know, mm-hmm. uh, basically, I use uh, JSF, Spring. Uh, I've also done object relational mapping, but I'm a Java web developer. I'm now trying to get into Ruby and Ruby on Rails as well. But Java is my bread and butter language. Very cool stuff. I notice you also do some web development. I went to your website. SilvaSoftInc.com, and I noticed a gorgeous website that you've put together for someone in Tobago. Uh, yes, that's actually it's actually my uncle's uh, house in Tobago. I was there over the Christmas, so if wow. ever you want to go on a on a really nice vacation, go to Tobago. Because I'm originally from Trinidad, so. Ah. Tobago is the sister isle of Trinidad, and he basically has a bed and breakfast on Tobago. It's called the Coconut Tree, T H E C O C O N U T R E E dot com, the Coconut Tree dot com. Amazingly so beautiful. So we don't have to yank our maps out here. Where exactly is Trinidad and, and Tobago? Uh, it is just east of uh, Venezuela, actually. It's oh. the most southerly isle of the Caribbean. So it's the last island on the Caribbean chain. Okay. Yeah, that's stunning. Just yeah. beautiful, beautiful pictures and, and nice job on the website. Thanks. Yeah. So what's this about JShell? What is uh, JShell? What's uh, S3 from Amazon? And uh, how'd you get into it? Uh, well, as you know, most of those uh, big companies, Google, Yahoo, eBay, Amazon, have... Uh, over the, few, over the years, they've been opening up their APIs to their data and creating business models off of offering access to their resources. And Amazon, uh, for those who may not know, initially started off with their e-commerce service. Then they uh, they also created a queuing service. They have a search engine. They have Amazon Mechanical Turk, which is a human uh, interface as well. Basically, you can post stuff on there and humans can go and answer questions at a price. But what they did recently was offer a wide open, unlimited storage service called Amazon S3. S3 meaning uh, simple storage service. Mm-hmm. And what they did was they are offering an unlimited, uh, redundant uh, storage for any user. One, you, you do have to be uh, Amazon 
user so you do need a, an Amazon user ID mm -hmm. what you do is you go to the site the actual website is uh, aws.amazon.com forward slash s3 and from there you can basically sign up for your access keys what they do is they give, they offer you uh, a, basically an access key and then a secret access key which allows you to get access to their service okay and uh, basically the price point uh, obviously it's unlimited storage which is really really great but the price point is also very good in that the pricing is you pay only for what you use there's no minimum fee there's no startup cost you pay 15 cents per gigabyte month of storage used and 20 cents per gigabyte of data transferred so uh, some people may not understand what gigabyte month means so basically however whatever is the largest amount of data you stored on S3 for that month is what your bill would be. I see. But you know the price point is basically very good, and you're, you're using their bandwidth, you're using their storage. Uh, you can upload, you know, your files to them, and they also offer uh, BitTorrent seeding for files as well, which is also oh, yeah. good. Yeah, so you can actually nice. access a file as a, a, a torrent file, and then you know how it's initially seeded from them. But like you know, once other people get onto that, you know, they they bandwidth will be shared. Okay. So and you decided uh, that there was there was a, a room for um, improvement. Well, what they did was uh, they released this offering to basically the development community because uh, there is no high level access to the service as such. They what they did was they released the service and they released a number of uh, web service APIs to S3. Mm -hmm. So basically, you can they they released a number of libraries, uh, REST and SOAP libraries. Mm -hmm. In uh, there's one in Java, C Sharp, Python, Ruby, Perl. Uh, there's also uh, PHP, mm -hmm. and they they released those to the community, and you know, and they hope that from there people would take and take that and build on top of that so seeing that I, my, my initial interest was uh, the Java library so I went and I looked at that and I, I chose the REST library simply because you know I, I prefer using REST as opposed to SOAP. Well maybe you could tell us a little bit about REST. Um, one, of, one of our brethren in the, the Java community, uh, Dave Johnson, is about to publish a book called RSS and Adam Explained and he goes into a good bit of detail about REST uh, I guess you can see that on the, the manning.com slash dmjohnson website. But I think a lot of folks are familiar with SOAP, Simple Object Access Protocol, right. but, but maybe not REST. So what, what is that all about? Oh, REST, uh, the acronym, I, once I make sure I get this right, it's represent, uh, Representational State Transfer. Uh, how it basically with SOAP, uh, from this is my understanding with SOAP you were, you were using more of a to, you know uh, an RPC based uh, method invocation uh, invoking web services whereas with REST uh, you're using basically the four uh, CRUD operations of HTTP which would be put, get, uh, delete and um, I think my mind, my mind is going on the last one mm -hmm. um, I believe it would be update. 
but basically you're using those four operations over the H over the HTTP protocol. So it's a little a little uh, it's more lightweight as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. So, so J J shell is a utility that gives you some commands that I suppose you would ordinarily have to somehow manipulate your your S3 your Amazon S3 objects uh, programmatically without your utility, but your utility gives you a whole handful of commands that you can use programmatically to uh, to access your your S3 objects. Yes, well, what what happens is uh, S3 comes with uh, what their their terminology is uh, basically the storage uh, instead of folders they call them buckets. Mm -hmm. They uh, you have a maximum of a hundred buckets, but the number of uh, what they call keys that you can store in a bucket is unlimited. Okay. So it's a flat, a flat, um, uh, basically a flat file system, uh, if you want to view it that way. Mm -hmm. So their thinking was, and, and also bucket names are unique throughout the whole S3 uh, naming scheme. So okay. they basically their idea was, you know, not many people are going to want to use a hundred buckets. You would basically have one bucket and throw all your data in there and use tagging of your keys to store those items. So what I did was they initially when they released uh, the libraries there was an S3 shell for Java that they had released. Okay. So that was my first uh, you know I, I ran it, uh, compiled it, ran it and they had some basic commands in there but a few things uh, were missing so I took that and I basically expanded on that and started to add certain things like uh, you know, uh, I added streaming of data when you're putting a file up there and allowing you to um, specify, uh, change or modify um, a, a key's access control list. Because what you can do is because of the fact that you you are the owner of your bucket data and you, you have to guard your access key and secret access key very closely, you can grant uh, ACLs on keys and buckets to allow anonymous users to get access to your data via URLs, or you can publish uh, basically a link to a key for a certain amount of time. So I just I just added a few you know a few commands and made it more user friendly for myself, and then I published it on their uh, S3 forums and took it from there. And, mm -hmm. and that's you know it's it's now at version 3.3 right now, and I've seen you know. I've People have you know, commented that it's a, a very nice, quick tool. You know, it's it's not not to be used to, to upload huge amounts of data. Although some people have used it to upload like a gig. The maximum file size you can use uh, on S3 is five gigabytes. But mm -hmm. I've heard people using it uh, successfully of up to a gig of storage. So it's it can be used for that. But I use it just for small small data transfer. Well, let's let's do a little user scenario. Let's say I wanted to use Amazon S3 as uh, storage for my uh, Swampcast podcast, okay? And we've, we've recorded this podcast, and it's about, well, we're up to about two and a half meg right now. Let's say it's, let's say it's a five meg podcast, and I want to send it to Amazon's S, S3 storage uh, facility. 
So the first thing I do, I guess, is register with Amazon. I get my S3 keys. Yes, your S3 key and your uh, S3 uh, secret ID. Yes. Okay. And then, now you, you just mentioned streaming data up to Amazon versus, I guess, an FTP, right? Uh, well, when I say streaming, what happens is initially uh, their API, uh, whenever you were sending a file, mm -hmm. it was loading the whole file into memory before you actually sent it on to S3 over oh, the HTTP uh, request. So uh, when I say streaming, you're basically using the streaming capa uh, capability of uh, the HTTP connection to stream the file to S3 as opposed to loading it fully into memory and then sending it off. So I guess yes. that's basically faster. Yeah, faster and it's conserving memory on your machine as well. I see. Okay. So we'd use, we'd use JShell initially to stream the, uh, the podcast, the MP3 file, to Amazon. Yeah, to basically to put it in a bucket on Amazon. Yes. Now, would we use it from the command line? Uh, yes, JShell is a command line tool. So it, it comes bundled with a bat file that basically invokes uh, you know, the Java command to run the JHL jar. Uh, the, uh, basically, there's uh, command line options for what uh, S3 host you want to connect to. The default S3 host is s3.amazonaws.com. Okay. There's an option, uh, dash U, to specify a user key, a dash P to specify a secret access key. Okay. So if you wanted, you can put that when you download JShell. You can put that in your bat file, or you can specify it by hand. When that comes, when that starts up, it automatically creates a connection to JShell that will be used for the whole session. Uh, what, once you start JShell up, you can type help, and it will give you a list of uh, commands that you can uh, use within within the session. So, like in your case, if you had that podcast, uh, you'd put it in a, a folder. Mm -hmm. And basically, from JShell, you can the commands to send that up to to S3 would be put file uh, ID is uh, what ID you want to store the file as on on S3 mm -hmm. and file and obviously the file name of the file you're sending and that would put the file up up to S3 with a default private ACL so nobody can actually read that. There's also a command called put file. WACL, which means put file with ACL, mm -hmm. which which you can use to specify what ACL you want to put the file with. So if you wanted to automatically put it with a public read ACL so that somebody can download it via the URL, you can do that as well. I see. A ACL is access control list? Access control, yes. List, okay. yes. Okay. Oh, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try that with this podcast. That could be interesting. Sure. Yeah, there's also uh, the, um, there's a create bucket command. The way that, uh, with JShell, what happens is whenever you want to change context to whatever bucket you're using, you use the bucket command. Mm -hmm. So you use bucket space bucket name. That tells you what bucket context you want to use. And then from there you would say create bucket, which actually tries to create bucket. And then you, there's other commands like uh, list buckets which would show what buckets you have is uh, once you're actually in a bucket, so if you said, say, bucket uh, Dominic, you'd be in that bucket, then you did a list that would show you all the keys in that in that bucket. I see. And they're on with it. But yeah, it's, it's fairly simple to use. You, you just go on and you can browse around 
and put files, change the ACLs, uh, delete files. It also supports uh, something that you may find interesting. Uh, I believe it. Yeah, it does. There's a. Maybe it's not in this one. And I have a few other. I, what happens is I've also created a, a C sharp version of of my shell program called Sharp Shell, and then there's a Ruby version called R Shell. And some of them have differing functionality, but I'm trying to make sure that I put it in, in this one as well. There's also a list RSS and a list atom command, which would basically give you an RSS feed or an atom feed listing of your keys in a bucket. So if you basically put a podcast up there, or you put a number of MP3s up there, you can get a RSS or an, an atom feed listing, you know, copy that, paste that into a file, and then you modify it to your liking and then post that. Oh, interesting. So yeah, I just I, cause I, I knew some people would want to use it for podcasting. So would it tag the MP3 with attributes like uh, file size? Yes, it tags with file size and encoding type of uh, the media type of uh, MP3. It does. It does assume it at the moment. It assumes that you're going to be using it on uh, a bucket that contains only that those types of data. I it see. does not physically do the checking of the media. I, ju I just made it, you know, really quick. So, you know, you may have some files in there that are not of that type, and you can just edit the, the resulting feed and change it to your liking. Right. Okay. So still a work in progress. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the code here, actually, because last night I went to java.net, and uh, via your website, basically, uh, folks, if you want to access J shell or R shell or... Uh, I guess it's T-Shell for for the, the Python version? Uh, no, there's a C-Sharp version. Oh, C-Sharp. Sharp. Yeah. Called what again, I'm sorry? Uh, Sharp Shell. Sharp Shell, okay. Yeah. So if you want to access these, the easiest way is to go to silversoftinc.com and uh, click on News, and that has links to java.net, which is uh, where you're, you're storing the... Uh, the projects. So that's what I did last night, and uh, I registered as an observer. Now you sent me back a, a note that said, "Gee, you know, if you can't see the uh, directory structure, and you need to register as an observer, that's pretty lame." <laughs> but <laughs> I just wanted to be, uh, I just wanted to be, you know, part of the group basically. So that's why I asked. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't too sure how Java.net does that because I've seen some people say that they couldn't see the. Uh, and you know the project itself, or maybe the files. But I assume that you should be able to get CBS access without being in it. Too, I'm not too sure because I actually own the project. So I haven't uh, tried it the other way around. Yeah, I actually don't um, remember what what did I do. Anyway, I logged in because I've got a Java.net ID, and uh, I was able to download the uh, the source code. Um, Without you granting the observer status, so I guess yes, I can I can see all yeah. that stuff without that. So anyway, I've got the uh, um, J S H three L L dot Java file up here, right? And um, yeah. they, they all use the 
uh, uh, naming convention of uh, the S is a capital S and the, the E is basically a 3, so I wanted to make sure I put the S3, you know, made it prominent with the name. <laughs> right, okay. Name to everything nowadays, right, with web tool. <laughs> exactly. So if you were to, I know it's kind of uh, hard to do this over a podcast, but if you were to talk to us a little bit about the architecture of this class, where would you begin and, uh, and what would you tell us? Um, well, it's basically in one. It's it's using the Amazon's uh, REST Java library. So that's that's one of the uh, packages that's automatically included in there. Uh, then uh, there's there's basically one main file. It's uh, jshell.java, which is uh, basically just a a, a Java. Simple Java program that runs uh, through the main method and basically loops. I'm burning up. I'm trying to burn up my source code. Clips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see in your imports here that you've imported com.amazon.s3.aws auth connection bucket list entry response s3 object s3 helper and s3 stream object. Oh, S3 Helper and S3 Stream object are from Silversoft Inc. Inc. Right. Uh, yes, there's uh, there's basically a package uh, com.amazon.s3 that contains the AWS auth connection, which is the main connection wrapper. There's a bucket list entry and response and an S3 object. Mm-hmm. And then I created my own uh, S3 Helper on the com, Silversoft Inc.s3 uh, S3 Helper. I also have an Atom help on RSS helper and an S3 stream object, which is what I extend. I extended the S3 object to support streaming. Okay. I also made some uh, modifications to the AWS AUTH connection class to support direct streaming over the HTTP uh, connection. Mm. But they released their code as uh, open source, and I must mention that all three. Uh, Programs, JShell, SharpShell, and RShell are open source. You know, I do have my own license in there, but it does state that you can use this once you keep, you know, my my license in there. And Amazon's license is in there as well. But it's interesting. Now, I've always found that a little bit challenging to understand those licensing schemes. So, what would you call your licensing scheme? Would uh, that be Creative Commons? It's. It, I didn't use anybody else's uh, known uh, GPL or Creative Commons. Uh, I guess I basically uh, I, all I stated was you can use this on your own. Uh, I waive any claim <laughs> against Silversoft if you do use it, but you can use it redistributed once you keep my uh, copyright uh, and license. Well, once you keep my license in there as well, but it's uh, you know free to use at the moment. Okay, okay so uh, you yeah. enter you enter through main and it's a loop. That's yeah, you enter through main. Uh, Basically, uh, yeah, it basically loops uh, reading the command line. It tokenizes the command line. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's a it basically, uh, there's a process commands method that, that runs and will, there's a large case statement basically that is uh, checking what command you entered and from there he does what he needs to uh, if you enter the bucket command count command you know, create buckets uh, whatever command you need 
or whatever you entered, he will go and process that and then return to the top of the loop. So it's uh, there is some delegation to do certain things, mm -hmm. uh, but most of most of the code is within that process command method. The delegation takes place on the uh, put file and put file stream commands. Uh, some stuff with counting. Uh, there's also some delegation to uh, return uh, pre-built ACL XML uh, documents because uh, for every key or bucket you can get the ACL as an XML document or an XML string. So I I made sure and I just pre-built my predefined ACL for private, public read, public read write, so that I can say get me an ACL for an object and update it in line and then return it back. To okay, now I think I see where you're talking about here. It's a, it's a try-catch block and you've got shell.process commands in stream, outstream are the arguments? Yes. Okay. And explain to us what you mean by delegation. Uh, delegation just basically means uh, from some method, uh, you basically delegate to another method to do the, the work you pass in whatever, whatever objects you need that, that delegate to use and you pass that processing uh, or logic off to another method. Okay. So uh, it's basic principles of OO design that you want to you know, try and uh, not have too much code <laughs> in one, one method as such. So you want to delegate two other methods, let them do their handling of, of, of certain things and pass back the results to you. So do we see an example of delegation in this try-catch block? Uh, yes, you can see, let me, let me look for a reference, a, if there's a put file stream method within, well, private method uh, within JShell, that uh, that is that's called via delegation. Basically, when you run the put file command, it it calls put file stream, passing in the ID mm -hmm. of the file you want to use, the file name itself, and that will basically take those two and open up a stream to the file and send it off to Amazon S3 and then it would return a result back to the caller of a boolean basically stating whether it was successful or not and actually put file stream delegates to the AWS connection to do this the AWS connection is the one that does the physical creating of the HTTP connection and sending data over getting a response back from the HTTP connection and passing that back to JShell. So it's more or less like a, a, a two-step delegation, or three-step if you want. So within JShell there's some delegation and then there's all the delegation out to the Amazon S3 REST library to do the physical HTTP connection. So are you able to point to the line of code where this first occurs? Uh, the, okay, the delegation. Yeah, just so people can follow if they have it sure. up on their... Um, yeah, if they, if they had the code up if you look on line 1104 so if you start on line 1088 there's an else if yeah it's actually not a case of I'm doing a bunch of else ifs yeah I see it here yeah, yeah if the command equals put file 
first thing I do is I count my tokens, make sure that I'm getting the correct number of arguments. I always check to make sure that I, I have a bucket set. Mm -hmm. Then I read my ID and I read my file, file name. Mm -hmm. And then I call uh, put file stream, passing in the ID, the file name. There's a third argument, which is uh, set to null, which is uh, the ACL. Uh, it assumes a default ACL of private. You could pass in a string, you know, a private public dash read or public dash uh, read dash write. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to put that file with a specific ACL, mm -hmm. that then jumps you down to line one six eight seven. One say it again. One six one eight, seven? eight seven. Yeah. One six eight seven. Okay. Right. And that is a definition uh, method declaration for put file stream, which is a private method retaining a boolean. And that uh, basically sets up a list of HTTP, well, uh, a map for your HTTP headers that you're going to be sending over to S3 for that key. I uh, basically set the uh, ACL for that object to private. And uh, I open up the file, I uh, create a data input stream. Out of that, I wrap that with an S3 stream object, which takes a data input stream in its constructor. And I, like I said, I had modified the AWS connection to uh, take a S3 stream object as opposed to an S3 object, so that the AWS connection could support streaming of the file to uh, Amazon S3. Okay. So I call uh, connection.putStream which returns a response, which is a, a basically, a, I believe it's a JNR Java HTTP response object. So I, I send that off to Amazon using the AWS Bookstream command. Let me give you the command line. Uh, if you look in AWS AUTH connection.java on line 198, you will see the method declaration for Bookstream. It takes a uh, bucket, a key, uh, S3 stream object, which is a, my my uh, extension of the S3 object, and it takes a map of headers. So whenever you put an object, you can also specify certain predefined uh, Amazon headers for keys, and you can also specify your own headers if you want to use some metadata for your keys. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, that's where they create an HTTP URL connection, make stream requests, uh, the command is put, uh, you're passing in the bucket, a path separator, and then a URL encoded string for the key, uh, okay. the headers, and then the object. Cool stuff. So okay. It's all built on HTTP. Yeah, that's, that's what makes the rest a lot easier. You just, they, they basically, if you look at the imports, uh, it's, it's using the java.net.http URL connection. So that's all they basically needed to use um, to, to be able to send stuff over HTTP, HTTP for the REST implementation as opposed to having to build soap and skeletons and stubs and wizards and all that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fairly lightweight, I would say. Very good. So do you have any idea how many people are using it or uh, what kind of feedback you've gotten? 
Um, I used I was monitoring my uh, the download from my Post Notes site. I, I did see it get up to at one point. Overall, over the total life, it had reached about I've seen maybe about almost 300 downloads. Mm. But I assume I I would say on average possibly I would say less than 100 people are using it. I believe I'm not too sure, but you know there may be more than I I can see because right now I, I publish it on. Java.net, the actual release, but I have not, not found a way on Java.net to show download uh, tally from them. I don't think they do have that, as, as some hosting sites would have. And what about S3? I guess that would be a, a good indication. Um, S3 itself, from the user forums, I've seen the S3 community itself I would say is about um, just from judging from the forum size the number of people that I've seen on there I would say it's also about less I would say maybe fif about 50 or 50 people or more on there right now there may be more that just don't don't even bother with the forums but that's how I judge the feedback you know some of the threads get views of up to say a thousand views mm -hmm. so I don't know what assumption I want to make. Say somebody views it three times or something, you know, five times. But I, I would say the, the number of regular users that I see on there are around say 25. Plus, you have one thing that's very good with uh, the Amazon forums is they have they seem to have dedicated developers on that forum answering questions seven days a week, which was very very. <laughs> good to see because I actually started developing J-Shell on a Saturday. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, you can tell I'm married with kids, so <laughs> I, I, um, but, you know, I, I just decided one Saturday, let me sit down and start writing this, and I had questions, and lo and behold, on a Saturday and a Sunday, I was getting responses from people at AWS, you know, .amazon.com, and I was like, wow, these, they actually have developers who monitor their forums, so they're very interested in building a, a developer community on this platform which is you know very good and yeah. it still is in its infancy there are and every question that is asked you normally see somebody from even not only the developers but somebody um, say project management uh, go on there and, and say that yes we're going to add this to an issue list and it's something we're looking into for our next release so they're making sure that you know we, all of us, the users and the developers, that they know, so that we know, that they are taking all our suggestions and are going to prioritize them and decide if that's something they want to put into the final product. Because we are going to build applications on top of the service. Mm. Now, how do you access these forums? The forums are accessible if you go to HTTP uh, developer amazonwebservices.com that's the main Amazon Web Services developer connection mm -hmm. there's, a re there's a resource center and then there's a forums link there's also a blog they also try to put a, you know, the latest happenings on S3 and all the other web service offerings on that weblog so if you go there you can get access to their forums uh, there's an Amazon S3 forum uh, the forum ID is 24. Okay. All but right. yeah, you can you can go on there and you can see uh, some of uh, the other announcements, questions, 
of, of what's going on with with S3 itself. And there are some other very cool uh, tools and utilities, and some people are building end-user applications. What they've also started doing now is they've, I, I just got the recent uh, Amazon uh, web service newsletter, and it did mention JShell as one of the tools, so I was kind of glad to see my name in there. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, they have some end-user products and tools, because what they, they're trying to do, they even posted in the forum that they'd like to get, uh, do, do some some sort of marketing for our efforts, you know, so they're going to try and make our efforts known out there, which is good. Yeah. Well, tell us, for, for those of us who are configuration management junkies and system administrators and intrigued by development environments like me, um, how do you develop this stuff? Do you develop on a Mac? Are you a PC user? You Solaris? Linux? I'm, I'm a PC user. Oh, I also must mention that at the moment, uh, JShell is uh, Java 5 only. Mm -hmm. I, I made that choice just because I want uh, to be able to use... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the type collections, generics. Yeah, I noticed uh, that I all over the code. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I basically just made that choice initially. I posted a question on there. I was like, you know, should I should I put this out for one form? People are like, you know, just go ahead and use five. Why not? I was like, because I I am actually using one form mostly on my other stuff. But I was like, let me just put five out there. Get myself, you know, using five on a daily basis. Right. So, um, yeah, I develop on a PC. I use Eclipse. I, I was a initially a long time ago I was NetBeans and then I switched to Eclipse and I haven't switched back. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I basically develop on a PC you know, with Eclipse. Uh, I've used I'm also you know an avid uh, Linux user. I've used Linux way back when it was like 1.0. But uh, Mac has not come into my house as yet, but it's almost there because I'd, I'd definitely love to be on a Mac as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I bet uh, people out there will want to hear about the Ruby version and the C Sharp yeah. version. And we're approaching 40 minutes here, which I think is a nice, um, a nice time to to call it maybe the end of part one. But have you got anything else you'd like to tell people about uh, J Shell? Um, I would say for those who want a very cheap, uh, I can tell from my experience I have maybe I have a few a few megabytes on on s3 and I've paid maybe like what three cents max for the last three months so you know say you say you have a gig of data up there you're paying 15 cents for that gig a month and then for say if you transfer a gig of data down you're paying say 35 cents a month to sort to store your data so um, for those who want to store stuff like the, you know, the pictures, the MP3s, uh, and or anything, basically, you know, take a look at Amazon S3. If you're a developer, it's ideal for you because you can kind of tweak it to your liking or tweak those APIs to your liking. And J Shell was just my low-end, you know, get up and running with S3 uh, program. So if you like, if you use Java, or even if you don't, just download it and try and run it and put some stuff on there and just see what S3 is about. And I'm sure in the future you'll see, you know, people building on top of S3. But uh, yeah, I think it's a, a, a really uh, interesting service. And you're going to see some of the other big players release uh, those unlimited storage services fairly soon. But Amazon is first, so <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to see them do it. 
Well, listen, thanks for joining us here on Swampcast, and thanks for walking us through the code a bit and explaining some of the architecture. I know I love I love walking through the code, but it's it's so much better to hear it from the the author. Yeah, I, I believe it's readable, fairly readable. It's fairly it's easy. I try to put as much comments in there as well, but you should get a basic understanding of how it works from reading it, you know. And uh, if people want to contact you, I guess you recommend they go to www.silvasoftinc.com. Yes, I maintain and that website and I have a weblog as well. And what's your weblog URL? It's on, uh, it's on JRoller, actually. Uh, it's uh, http uh, jroller.com forward slash page forward slash silvasoftinc. S I L V A S O F T I N C. And you can see my, um, I try to post, uh, I don't put too much stuff on there, but I post relevant stuff to all my J-Shell, R-Shell, and Sharp-Shell uh, happenings and Silversoft happenings. Excellent. And uh, final notes here, I guess I've uh, got a, a semi-commitment from you to give a presentation at the Orlando Java User Group in the Gator Gator Jug up in Gainesville? Uh, yeah, but... <laughs> More, more possibly the Orlando than the game so but yeah I, I did I did commit to yeah, eventually doing that once I think J-Shell is at a point that you know it'd be interesting to present but yeah okay. I'd definitely like to do that okay and for people in the, in the central Florida area that are interested in Ruby there's a new Ruby user group that's the ORUG is that what it's called yeah it's uh, ORUG uh, it's www.orug.org because uh, I, I don't know of how many other how many job developers are not learning about Ruby right now, but uh, yeah, you just go to www.orug.org and you can take a look at the. Uh, they've had two meetings already. I was actually at the last meeting, uh, which had about eight people, but it's it's growing. So um, you know, if you're interested in Ruby, uh, Ruby on Rails, definitely get get out there and uh, join the mailing list and come to the meetings and see what it's all about. It's a refreshing uh, view of web development uh, you know, for those who you know, have, have done it before. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to starting my S3 account at Amazon. Maybe I'll put this MP3 up there. We'll see what success I have with that for Swapcast. And maybe using JShell as the utility to manipulate those objects. And I want to thank you, and hopefully we can get together again soon and talk about the Ruby and the C-sharp versions. Sure. All right. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Thanks. This is, this is Mike Levin and Dominic Da Silva. Swampcast, thank you for listening, and stay tuned for future episodes. <laughs>